biblical methods. Uh, we're living in a day where so many people are relying on uh, human efforts and uh, gimmicks and um, just weird things, it seems like, to accomplish God's work. And um, I believe the Bible gives us uh, over and over again, <laughs> and, and I think God knows that we need it over and over again because we're hard-hearted and hard-headed sometimes. Um, he gives us multiple times and places where he illustrates how he wants us to accomplish his work, not just what is to be done, but how we're to go about doing it. And uh, I think there's some wonderful lessons that are found here in Luke chapter 2 in the Christmas story, what we refer to as the Christmas story, about sharing the gospel with others that I want to try to uh, use and, and be a help to you. Hopefully uh, uh, the familiarity of the story will help us to call to remembrance uh, fairly often about this. But uh, I want to give you several things today that I think are the right way uh, to go about sharing the gospel with others and perhaps some things that we are lacking in when it comes to this, this idea. Let's look in Luke chapter number 2. And we'll begin reading in verse number 8. Luke chapter 2 and verse number 8. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Father, we pray that you'll bless the message this afternoon, and may we learn some truths, some things from your word that I think are so clearly pictured here and so easily seen as to uh, a method perhaps that we're to uh, emulate and to follow after in sharing the wonderful message of the Lord Jesus Christ with others. I pray that you'll guide and direct our hearts and our thoughts today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It's very interesting to note that God sends angels with His most precious message, and He has chosen since the time of Christ to rest that responsibility in our hands. Why God would do that, I don't understand. I really don't. How a God that could use anything that He created to accomplish His work, why He would bother with those of us who are prone to failure, we're prone to becoming apathetic, we're prone to not taking the responsibility seriously, and these are all the natural propensities that we have in our human nature. And yet he entrusts the most important message that man has ever heard into our hands. It's something that I look at and I often wonder, and two things come to mind. First of all is shame, and how, how oftentimes I fail to live up to that responsibility. But secondly, an, an attitude of awe that God would choose us and give us the wonderful privilege to take His Word, His precious Word of the Gospel, and to share it with other people, and to give us that commission to do it. 
to enable us, to give us the power and the strength of His Holy Spirit to accomplish His work is a sobering thing. It's something that ought to cause us to sit in wonderment and in awe of it. As he had this wonderful message to bring, there's several lessons, lessons I think, that can be learned from the angels and how they proclaimed the message of the Messiah uh, in the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ here that I think we can learn from and be a help in our soul-winning efforts in the time that we spend telling others about the Lord Jesus Christ. If you look with me, first of all, in verse number 8, the Bible says, and there were in the same country shepherds. And I want you to notice this phrase. It says, abiding in the field. These shepherds were not going anywhere. Uh, I know a lot of uh, ministries, a lot of churches that say, well, we just expect people to come to us. And if they come to us, then we'll share the gospel with them. Uh, and I don't think that's a soul-winning church at all. I think a soul-winning church should be going and sharing the gospel outside the doors of the church house. Uh, everywhere they go, we ought to be looking for those things. I'm not opposed to having a, uh, a soul-winning time uh, each week in the church. And I know we've had them here before, and we may have them again in the future at some point. Uh, but I, I have had some issues a couple of times in having that, where a lot of people feel like that is the only time they can soul win. And they, they're like, well, I'm a soul winner because on Thursday night at 7 o'clock, I go soul winning for an hour. We ought to be a soul winner because everywhere we go, we see lost people. And everywhere we go, it is the natural thing for us to share the gospel with someone. It just kind of comes out of us. It's part of what we are. It's like having a cup full and somebody jostling your arm while you're trying to hold it. It just spills out of you. And when we're out here in the world and we're doing the cares of this world uh, and living life, uh, every time we jostle, uh, we ought to be spilling the gospel out everywhere we go and sharing it with somebody. Uh, bump into somebody, strike up a conversation, and be looking for those opportunities. It's amazing how many times in a week you can have the opportunity to share the gospel with somebody if you're just sensitive to it, if you're just looking for that opportunity to do it. And uh, I, I, I know that there's some uh, wisdom, and I've heard preachers teach on it and so winning uh, uh, lessons and things that they've taught their churches have a specific time. And if you don't have a specific time, you won't go. And there is a lot of truth to that in the fact that there are a lot of people who won't go unless you have a specific time. But I fear that we begin to put the confidence in our program rather than just having a spirit of sharing the gospel with people all the time everywhere we go. And I, I feel like a soul-winning church shouldn't have to have a specific time to go. They ought to be soul-winning every, every moment that they're out in the public. Every time they leave the house, they ought to be looking for opportunities of this. And I want you to notice in verse number 8, these shepherds weren't going anywhere. The angels had to come to them. And it says that the, these uh, shepherds were abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord, notice this phrase, came upon them. So the angel had to go to where they were. And uh, I think that you and I uh, need to go to where the lost people are. Now, let me ask you a question. Where are the lost people today? I'll use this word. Everywhere. They are everywhere. When you walk out of this building, you won't be within 200 yards of not having a lost person you could witness to. They are everywhere you go. And if we're to go to where they are, then that means that everywhere we go... We need to be conscious of that. We need to live with the love of the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, what He's done for us, very, very in the forefront of our minds. We need to live with the love that He has for the lost 
at the very forefront of our minds. We need to live with the thought that those that He loved that don't know Him as Savior need to hear about it at the forefront of our minds. And then we need to commit to go. And we need to do it everywhere we go. I love when we come to church on a Wednesday night and somebody says, Pastor, you won't believe this. Monday I bumped into this person and, and the conversation just turned to this and uh, shared the gospel with them. Looking everywhere we go for opportunities. The, the angels came to where the shepherds were. I want you to notice also in verse number 9, it says, And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. And I want you to notice this phrase, And the glory of the Lord shone round about them. We've studied this recently on Wednesday nights and in Sunday school. When we find uh, uh, creatures that God has created with glory on them, what does that tell us about them? Where did that glory come from? God's presence. There was time that the angel had spent in the very presence of God Himself before he ever went to the shepherds. Can I tell you this? If we're going to be the kind of soul winners and tell the people that need to hear the gospel story effectively... There is an imperative that you and I must spend time with the Savior. We must walk with Him. We must have a relationship with Him. We must grow our roots deeper with Him. We've got to dig into this book and understand the Bible well and be able to handle it well. And there needs to be a closeness and a fellowship with God. There is a, I have no doubt that the closer that we walk with the Lord, the more apt He is able to use us. Because a couple of things will happen. When we draw closer to the Lord, we see His holiness. And it causes us to realize our sinfulness. And as we draw closer to Him, we have more and more of a possibility of getting those sins out of our lives. And saying, Lord, I don't want to disappoint you. And the more sin we can get out of our lives, the more the Holy Spirit is freed and not quenched and not grieved and can empower us to do a work for Him. And so it's very, very important that we walk with God. I believe that it is a higher priority than the going. Because I've known a lot of people who have gone and gone and gone and never walked with God. And their fruit is is very, very little at best. This angel had been in the presence of God. The Bible says that the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And I want you to notice why this is important. Because in verse number 9, notice what it says at the very end of it. It says, and they, speaking of the shepherds, were what? They were what? What were they afraid of? This being that had the glory of the Lord on them. Can I tell you this, that when the glory of the Lord rests on you and I, it will impact the heart of those that are listening. It's not always the words that we say, as much as the Spirit that is within us speaking to the heart of that, young, of that person that needs to hear the Gospel. Because the glory of the Lord rested upon this angel, because they had spent time in His presence, it impacted the shepherds such that they were brought to a place where they weren't just kind of giving an ear to, they were, they were in amazement. They were watching and they were listening. And they were focused in on the message of what the angel was saying. Why? Because the angel had the glory of God on him. And can I tell you this? When we walk in the presence of God and spend time in, with God, when we get around others, they will understand and they'll know something is different about the message we're speaking. There will be a difference. I've heard stories of 
men years ago who were great men that were used by the Lord mightily in great revivals that literally would walk through some of these textile plants and mills and as they would walk through and, and look at these men, the men, just by their presence, would grab a hold of the pillars of the factory afraid they were going to drop off into hell before they could get saved because of the conviction from the man's presence. You say, well, was it that man mighty uh, for the Lord? No, it wasn't his might. It was the power of God that rested upon him, that made a difference and caused men to understand their undone condition. This angel had the glory of the Lord shining round about him. And these, and these shepherds were, were trembling. They were fearful. Notice what the Bible says in verse 10. <laughs> and the angel of the Lord said, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of what? Great joy. Can I tell you this? When it comes to the gospel message, it is a joyous message. I, I, we've got to be so careful that we don't make it a drudgery of a message. The gospel is the greatest news man has ever heard. And we need, to, we need to make sure that people understand that. If I get up and say, The joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Do you really believe that? Are we saved? Has God saved us from our sin? Has He given us mercy from the penalty of sin? Has He given us a home in heaven for all of eternity? Does He allow us to walk with Him daily in this life? Does He bless our life moment by moment? Then let's share the message with joy. I get so tired sometimes when preachers or ladies that are sharing the gospel with another lady or even young people sometimes, they go and they try to witness to somebody and they're like, well, let me tell you what God has done and here's what He did for me and let me make sure i got all the points down. Okay, yeah, I'll let me go back and tell you this. Be excited about what God's done for you and share it with somebody. These are glad tidings of great joy. And then I want you to notice this. Which shall be to what? All people. You say, who do I go to? Everybody. Everybody. The greatest soul winner I ever encountered in my life was a man by the name of uh, Mr. Andrews. And uh, I, he was a deacon at a church, at a college that I went to. And uh, was a good personal friend of mine and uh, really kind of took me under his wing as a college student and kind of mentored me along. And uh, Brother Andrews was uh, uh, came out of uh, the military after World War II and uh, had a, a mop bucket and a mop and a, a dust mop and a squeegee and a squirt can in the back of his car. And he started a janitorial business literally that way. By the time I knew him, he was a multimillionaire with chains all over the United States of janitorial services. One of the greatest soul winners I've ever met. I had shared with him many times, sat at dinner with him and talked with him about my dad as a pastor. He had never met my dad. And I'd share with him all the things my dad had done over the years and how he was a pastor and how he was such an influence on my life. And at my graduation, Brother Andrews came for my graduation at college and my dad mom showed up there. And I wanted my dad to meet Brother Andrews. And I took him up and introduced him to my dad. And the first thing he did after he shook my dad's hand, he said, Brother, do you know you're going to heaven when you die? 
He asked a preacher of 40 years. Why? Because he wanted to make sure he told everybody. He wanted to make sure there wasn't any person that he ever came in contact with. I went to the top of uh, the Gulf Life Tower in Jacksonville, Florida at the time. Uh, was, uh, it was the Gulf Life Tower. They had a very wealthy restaurant. It was a club members only kind of restaurant. And uh, he told me one time, I don't remember, it was like ten or $20,000 a year he had to pay just to belong to the club to even get into the restaurant. And he had me up there one day as a poor college student. I didn't even know how to behave. You know, it was one of those places you had to wear a coat and a tie, and I didn't even know how to behave. And I went up there, and I'm trying to behave my manners and everything. There were five or six people that came and just swarmed our table and were waiting on him hand and foot. They all knew him by name, Mr. Andrews, and I did not see one person, not one, come to our table or greet him. that he'd say, John, you going to heaven when you die? Yes, sir, Mr. Andrews. How do you know? Because you told me how to be saved, and I trusted Christ as my Savior. Every single one. I was never around Mr. Andrews that he did not come across somebody. He'd say, are you sure you're going to heaven when you die? Every single one. Who do we tell? Everybody. Why? Because the glad tidings of great joy are for all people. They're for everybody. Notice this also. In verse number 11, the Bible says, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Not only do we need to have the joy of the message, can I tell you this? We need to make sure we present the truth of the message. The angel told him this, said, This message is for you. Unto you is born this day in the city of David. Can I tell you this? When we share the gospel with somebody, they need to understand that this isn't just something God did for me. This is a message for you. This is a message that God wants you to know, and He sent me to tell you. This is a message for you. What was the message? The angel told the shepherds, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a what? A Savior. There's a message I want you to know. This message is for you. There's a Savior. His name is Christ the Lord. And He came to save you. That's the message. And then I want you to notice this. After they shared the message, they gave the shepherds instructions on what to do. Look what it says here. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward me. And can I tell you this? After we share the gospel with somebody, we need to explain to them how they can trust Him as their Savior. I've known a lot of people who have shared the gospel with someone and then never told them what they needed to do to be saved. They need to know that they need to put their faith and their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and Him alone for their salvation. That they need to trust what He has done on Calvary for them as their salvation. And then I want you to notice lastly this. It says, and suddenly there was with the angel a what? Multitude of the heavenly host. After you share the gospel with somebody, you tell them how to be saved and they trust Christ as their Savior, get them around some other Christians. There's a heavenly host and they were praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. And they started that discipleship right then. They wanted to make sure that that person knew, that those the shepherds knew, God has done a great work here. He's wanting to do something even greater. 
And uh, I'll tell you, there's some wonderful lessons in just the story of the gospel, uh, of, of the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ, that I think we can look at and say, that is an excellent pattern of sharing the gospel message. What better pattern to follow than the angels sharing the message of the Lord Jesus Christ with the shepherds? Then for you and I to say, that's the pattern, that's the method that I want to use. We need to make sure that we spend time with the Lord. We need to go to where they are. We need to share the message with joy. We need to make sure they know the truth of the message, that it's for them. That Christ is the Savior. He is the one, the only way. We need to give them instructions on how to trust Christ as their Savior. And then if they get saved and they trust Christ as their Savior, we need to get them around other Christians. We need to rejoice with them. Edify them, encourage them, disciple them. I hope that this will help you. And maybe the familiarity of the, of the Christmas story will help us to remember some things that will help us in sharing the gospel with others. And then let me leave you with this thought, and we've already hit on it once in the message this afternoon. Let's be a soul-winning church. I'm not talking about just having a time to go. Let's be a church that has a heart to share the gospel with everyone we see, everywhere we go, every time we go out in public, to be aware and to be looking for these things. Folks, we're, we're nearing, I believe, the very end of the time that we have to minister here on this earth. And whether it be by the rapture or by our death, the truth is we're still very quickly nearing the end of the time that we will have to serve the Lord here on this earth. If we're ever going to do anything for Him, we need to do it now. Let's not wait. Let's stand together, shall we? Father, we're so thankful for Your Word, how it is so vivid, how so easily it teaches us things sometimes. And Lord, sometimes we get lost in maybe the narrative or the story and we miss some of the, some of the more instructive points of what we read. May we learn from this passage. May we follow the pattern of the 